Uh, Lord, you, you are faithful. And even when we face the, the burdens of life, Lord, you, you continue to provide, you continue to be that source of strength and comfort in our time of need. And, and Lord, even when it feels like life itself is, is spinning out of control or, or life is crumbling down around us, your, your faithfulness endures. As we lift up our hands, we lift up our worship to you, trusting in your gracious provision, no matter what season of life we may find ourselves in, for you are there with us. In your name we pray, amen. Now I gotta tell you, loss uh, is not something that we choose, but rather something that happens to us. Uh, and in times of loss, we can, we can really feel extremely powerless because it would seem that all the choices that we once had are, are now gone, poof, like right before our eyes. And the choices that we do have to make don't really seem like choices at all. Uh, I think in terms of choosing flowers for a funeral, it doesn't seem like a choice. Or choosing between an urn or a casket doesn't seem like much of a choice. And it's not just in terms of losing the loved one, but the sense of security, maybe the loss of, of a sense of control, and maybe, maybe even downsizing from, from all the treasures that you once had, and you're moving into a different home, and, and all those things that you've accumulated over the years all have all these memories to them, and, and, and now I'm supposed to kind of part with those things? Doesn't seem like much of a choice. There's times when the stable becomes unstable, and you're left with the unthinkable and trying to deal with life, trying to clean up the mess. You see, loss is something that happens, and loss is something that is often outside of our control. And these, these moments can feel so overwhelming and just isolating that there are people who, who want to surround us and walk with us in those seasons of loss. As, as we heard last week, David had really lost anything, and as David made his ascent up the Mount of Olives, the people went with him. However, our text for today adds another little detail, verse 32, and it says where God was worshipped. And this phrase, the phrasing that's used here, isn't something to be taken lightly, as it's often the case that when we're faced with a hardship or difficulty, we tend to remove ourselves from, from the very things that we need to be a part of, whether it's, whether it's community or whether it's spending our time in worship. See, rather than being drawn to God, sometimes those, those seasons of loss can feel isolating, and so there seems like there's this spiritual disconnect, and sometimes it's even hard to step back into that space because of that loss. But the question this text causes us to ask is, how are we leaning into, and how are we leaning on God in times of hardship? as we're making that ascent, as we're making that climb, so to speak, as we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, we are feeling burdened and we are feeling bogged down. We're thinking, man, I'm not gonna get through this on my, on my own, but we're making that ascent to be in God's presence. And for those of you who are here this morning, whether here in this space or, or in our virtual balcony, you've made your way here today and maybe you're carrying a weight Maybe you're feeling isolated. Maybe you've experienced a loss this week or maybe there's still something fresh on your heart that's happened years ago. And we pray that in the time when those burdens feel all-consuming that you would feel the presence and the power of God speaking into your life. We pray that you would know a sense of assurance and hope even in the midst of loss. And it was in this moment 
when David was wrestling with the stuff that he has been experiencing, that he sought the presence of God. Yet as we read, David wasn't alone. And while he lost everything, his throne taken out from underneath his feet, not just by somebody, it was by somebody in his own family through deceitful scheming, David still retained one of the most precious gifts of life, the support and the faithfulness of those who chose to walk with him. And that's, that was a reality. You see, the people following David, they had, make, had to make a conscious choice. They had to leave safety and security that they were experiencing in Jerusalem, and they had to make a conscious choice to step into and walk with him in the midst of his pain, to be by his side, to step into that uncertainty and walk with him. David wasn't alone as he had people by his side. And maybe that's where you are today, right? You're, you're facing a decision about maybe somebody to walk with. Maybe one of your friend group, maybe an acquaintance, maybe somebody at work or, or even at school is in a season of doubt or, or fear, pain, isolation. Maybe, maybe they're dealing with some guilt and there's some shame because of a certain word or, or certain action that they did. And we're here at a critical crossroads at a moment where we need to choose how do I walk with them in this season of life. Maybe that's where you are today. In fact, there's two questions this passage of Scripture forces us to ask when, when it comes to loss or hardship. The, the first question, of course, is how are we walking well with others, okay? But the other question is how, how are we allowing others to walk with us in the midst of our time of loss? And once again, it's not just the loss of, of a person. Loss comes in, in a variety of ways. So there are two sides when it comes to loss, the red circle up there represents uh, those who are de- directly impacted and wrestle with the pain within their own hearts. That's what that red circle is up there. And the orange circle represents those who step into grief and want to care for others while navigating the hurt that they're experiencing in their own lives because they see a friend who, who's hurting or, or because they have a personal connection to this loss that the other person experiencing because of a connection they've made. And it's there in the middle that these two lives, right, no matter what side they're on, where they two intersect. And yes, it does look like the MasterCard logo. I totally get that. But, but, but it's this place where these two lives interconnect. See, I would imagine that we can all recall a time when we were that orange circle that's up there, right? where someone close to us was, was experienced a hardship in their lives, experienced a loss, and all that we wanted to do is we wanted to step into that place and that space, and, and we wanted to walk with them. We wanted to encourage them. We wanted them to know that they weren't alone, and, and, and maybe we were just a bit uncertain about, about how to support them, or, or what's the best thing that we can do, because the last thing that we want to do is to add a burden to the burden that they're already experiencing. So we rack our brains we try to figure out, okay, how, how can I best walk with them? What, what can I do for them? Uh, maybe it's making a meal. Maybe, maybe dropping off some groceries or, or maybe raking, or raking their yard, uh, mowing their yard, uh, shoveling their driveway. Maybe, maybe it's taking them out for a cup of coffee or maybe to a movie just to, just to relax and just to decompress and forget about just for a moment what they're dealing with. But what if, instead of us racking our brain, what, would, what if they were able to put their needs, the needs of their heart, into words. Let me say that again. What, what if they were able to put the needs of their heart into words? And this brings us to our reading for today. 
And the first thing I want to say is, I feel so badly for Nick, our reader this morning. Can we just give a praise God for Nick for, for getting through those names? People often ask, they're like, Pastor, how do you pronounce this? And I say, I don't know. Just say it boldly. Nobody else knows either. So anyway, just say it boldly. So Nick, I, I know you do research on the text to make sure you're saying them right. So I just want to give a praise God. Thank you. Thank you for your ministry. But it's here in our reading for today that, that we find David atop of the Mount of Olives, right? And, and, and he's seeking the Lord. And, and we see a similar thing as Pastor Amelia pointed out last week, how Jesus also made that same ascent as he went up the mountain to, to pray. And while there are those who made that ascent with, with David, there's an interesting twist in verse 32. When David came to the summit where God was worshipped, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat torn, torn and earth on his head. And once again, that, that torn coat and earth on, placed on the head is, is a symbol of, of grief that, that he's identifying. He is in David's pain with him. Now watch this, verse 33. David said to him, if you go on with me, you will be a burden to me. Time out, right? That's, that's not the best response that we can have to somebody who wants to walk with us. Here is Hushai the Archite, the Archite Church. I can't believe the Archite. Actually, there's no reference here. It's just someone from being a certain place. I just wanted to build that up a little bit. But Hushai wants to walk with David and support David. And it's here that David responds, if you go with me, you're going to be a burden to me? But you know those people in your life who you're able to just be yourself with? Who, who you're able to just be real with and you can say whatever is on your mind or on your heart and, and they can just simply hear it and receive it. There's no judgment. They still love you anyway. They're able to strain out the hurt and the pain to get to the heart of what you're saying. See, those people are a gift. Those people are a gift to us that are able to take the, the verbal vomit that we might share with them and they're able to love us through it. And if you've got that kind of person in your life, you are blessed. And if you can be that person for someone else, they will be blessed. See, that's where Hushai was. In fact, as we heard in verse 37 or our text for today, it describes him as a close friend. He was walking with David, yet Hushai was more than a friend. He was actually an answer to a prayer. And some of you right now, are praying for somebody in your life, praying for somebody to walk with you in your journey of pain and loss, grief, whatever that might be, uncertainty, shame, guilt, whatever that might be. And so I pray that person into your life. I pray for a good, wise Christian person to, to walk with you throughout this journey. And you're thinking, well, pastor, Christian person? Yeah, it matters. Because we get to talk about the hope and the promise and the faithfulness of Jesus. It makes all the difference in the world. But listen to what David says next in his next breath. So he says, I, you can't go with me. You're going to be a burden. But, but if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as, as I have been your father's servant in time past, so now I will be your servant, then you will defeat from, for me the council of, how do you say it again, Nick? Ahithophel? Thank you. Okay, appreciate that. Whatever Nick just said. In other words, right, I, I know you want to go with me, but I really need you to do this. 
I know in your heart of hearts, you, you want to do this for me and you want to speak into my journey, but, but this is what I truly need. And it's at this moment that David gives Hushai a gift as he clearly identifies a need. And in return, Hushai gives David a gift as he's able to hear and acknowledge and honor David's request. And I started thinking, wouldn't it be nice if we were that open and honest with one another? in terms of our loss, in terms of our grief, in terms of the struggles or those things that are our mind. And what would happen if we were that open and honest in saying, here's what I don't need, but here's what I do need. Think about it. instead of having people try to navigate the laundry list of possibilities of things that might help, what would bless us or, or what, how to best walk with us, we said, we said this, we said, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And they responded, so tell me what you want, what you really, really want, right? How help, anybody catch that, by the way? A few of you, thank you, okay. And while this exchange can initially be a little bit uncomfortable, as you're stepping into some territory where you gotta share those emotions, you gotta share and be a little bit vulnerable, it has the potential to bless both parties. It has the potential to bless both people. As all of a sudden, that need that you have is being met, and that person is able to step into that situation in a healthy way way. Let's, let's put it in a different way. Maybe, maybe a different way that we can all kind of resonate with this morning. Today, we're going to be talking about filters. For our younger folks, you may be thinking about a filter on your phone, you know, that camera so you can change the appearance of an image or, or maybe part of an image to create something interesting or something with some special effects. But we're gonna be talking about a different kind of filter. You see, as the weather gets colder and we begin to change the seasons a little bit, it's important to check the filters in your home. These filters keep dust and other particles from entering into the furnace by trapping them. It's a trap. This can help extend the life of your furnace and keep our home's air clean and fresh. In fact, there are filters all over the, our, the place. There are filters in your car. Some vacuums have filters. If you have a big fish tank, there's probably a filter to keep the water clean. Uh, come to think of it, there may be even a filter in your sink or, or in your fridge. Maybe you have a, one of those Brita filters. But filters are important as we talk to others. You see, sometimes we have to filter our words a little bit, don't we? So we don't say something mean and, and hurt someone's feeling. Like, like, for example, if I said, <laughs> See, that's a good use of the filter because I probably shouldn't say those things. See, Psalm 141 verse 3 puts it this way. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, here's a simple prayer. Lord, help me to speak through a filter. But sometimes filters can keep us from saying things that we need to say. Maybe we're sad or hurt by someone or something. And when we don't share how we truly feel or what we truly need, you see, that can hurt us. We may feel like we're protecting ourselves or, or don't want to be a burden, but sometimes that filter can keep those emotions well, trapped inside. And over time, they can create even a, a bigger mess and, and come out sideways and maybe even hurt the people that we love. While there are times when filters are healthy, there are also times when those filters can hurt or hinder and even stifle. Think about it, if this was filled with all sorts of dirt and, and grime, air really couldn't get through, right? And the same thing is true with our hearts and lives. We, we need to breathe. In our reading for today, David was feeling sad, 
But instead of covering or filtering his emotions, he openly shared them. In fact, when Husai came to meet David with his coat torn and earth on his head, which was a sign of grief, David shared exactly what he needed. And Hushai was able to help David, and David was able to get the help that he needed. Well, imagine if David didn't express the need that was on his heart. Imagine if he kept that inside. Imagine if he kept that filter. You see, sometimes we need to remove these filters to let people in. Maybe there's a place where filter, filtering is doing more harm than good. And what would it mean to change it, replace it, or allow others to care for you? You see, here's the deal. People want to step in those, to those transitional and liminal spaces in our lives when we're going through loss or pain, especially those that are closest to us. And what would it mean to let folks know what would truly bless you in that time and give them some options, but also be okay with giving them permission to say no, that, that's not something I feel comfortable doing, but also giving them an option to say yes, where they can step into that space. You see, it's in this moment that David uh, chose to share a burden. He, he didn't try to go it along. He didn't just try to hunker down and just plow through it and say, you know, this, this too shall pass and I'll, I'll get through it on my own. And, and this is one of the greatest hurdles that we face, that, that we think in the back of our mind, you know, I don't, I don't want to be a burden, but much like Ushai, there are people who are already walking with us and all that we have to do is that we need to let go of that filter and share with them what would truly bless and be meaningful for our spirits. It's, it's, it's simply about allowing them to step into that space. Secondly, David clearly communicated what would and would not be beneficial to him. He, he stated it clearly, and that was both helpful for him, and in so doing, David honors Hushai's desire to step into that space, and because Hushai kept his heart open, he was able to hear and honor and respond to David's need. And in the process, both lives were blessed. In fact, what I love about this congregation is our ability to sit down with our partners and ask some critical questions as far as what do you need. You see, sometimes and oftentimes we make assumptions about what people truly need based on, on our perceptions, right? Okay, I perceive them going through this specific thing, so this then is exactly what they need, when in reality, they might need something entirely different than what's simply provided. And when we fail to pause and when we fail to listen, and by simply acting, we may miss out on a better opportunity. See, we need to ask ourselves, what's at the heart of the need? What's at the root of the need? And what would it mean to, to not only express a need, but to honor it? You see, sometimes, church, it's about digging deep. I like to use the analogy of, of skim, swim, and scuba, right? Skim simply stays on the top of a surface, right? It's, it's like you're snorkeling in Cabo, right? You're looking in on it. You're not really getting engaged. Like, okay, that's cool. And then, and then you go about and do your own thing. Uh, swimming allows us to be present in one another with one another's loss or grief or hardship for a, a short amount of time. We might bop in, uh, we might bop back to the surface, we might grab a margarita, then re-engage, right? There's kind of this, this back and forth thing. And while scuba, on the other hand, is getting to the heart of the need and being present in the depth of somebody's experience. It, it's about being with them for the long haul and the long journey. 
So I was watching a documentary the other day, and the theory was proposed that, that the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which is considered to be the lowest, lowest part of the ocean, is not actually the bottom, but a layer of hydrogen sulfide, and beneath that cloud and a frozen cold thermocline, right, there's this completely new world. That was the theory that they were testing, and what the scientists had discovered when they broke through that barrier was something deeper, an entirely new ecosystem, but sadly, once they, when they punched that hole in that thermocline, that protective cold layer, right? Something followed them out. And thankfully it closed, but not before a massive prehistoric killing machine came up to say hi. Okay, that was, that was just the premise for the Meg and Meg 2. Anybody catch that at all this morning? I got, I got one. I got, okay, yes, yes, we got two over there. Nice, nice. But, but there's something, church, about digging deep. There's something about going below the surface. There's something about walking with people in the midst of what they're going through. And what would it mean to wrestle with the question, well, what is truly needed? And what would it mean for us to start discovering what's in those trenches of people's lives as we open up our hearts and allow people to walk with us, whatever our pain, whatever our our worry, whatever our hardship, whatever our loss may be. And it's not just in terms of those things we need from others, but it's also in terms of our lives of prayer. See, sometimes when it comes to prayer, we, we stay at that surface level. Maybe we dig deep, we, maybe we go a little bit deeper, we, but we back, back up again. Instead of saying to somebody, you know, I'm praying for you, ask them, how can I best pray for you? What's, on the, what's the need on your heart today? What, what have you been wrestling with as, as you think about the week or, or as you approach next week? Dig a little bit deeper. Get below the surface. Get into that trenches of life. So let me ask you, if, if a genie pops up and says, I give you three wishes, how many of you would take that opportunity, like grab hold of that? Anybody take that opportunity? A few of you would do that? I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's just, I, I've seen, the, the, I read the book, The Monkey's Paw, once and saw the movie, you know, where, where you make a wish and it kind of goes sideways and, and you think it's going to bless your life, but it has, it has a bad negativity attached to it and it's not a blessing at all. So if a genie pops up or I find an old monkey's paw with three fingers in a trunk in my house somewhere, um, no thanks, right? No thanks. But sometimes I got to tell you, I, I lay awake in bed at night and I try to challenge myself, how can I beat the system? How can I get more than three wishes? Anybody do that, right? Or, or, or how can I get to a place where, where I can manipulate even the monkey's paw that, that I can be blessed like beyond belief, right? I try to do that. And so, so I tear that down. I do some critical thinking and, and, I think, and I think about how I can leverage that to my advantage and it takes me time to whittle down to get underneath that surface. See, that's how I think about prayer. How do I dig so deep to get at the heart and the root of the need of the thing that's not only bugging me, but something that's weighing on somebody else's heart? Here's the deal, church. Prayers are not wishes. I want to clarify that real quick. We are approaching the throne of God's grace of a holy and gracious and loving God with the concerns of our hearts and the hearts of others. But, but how many of us stay at that surface level when we should be digging deep and asking for God's hand to move in ways that we couldn't even ask or imagine.
In fact, one of my favorite passages of Scripture when it comes about prayer comes from Colossians 4, verse 12. And I love this passage. It says, Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Okay, so this, we're building this prayer of community right here. And I love this. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf. In other words, he's not staying at the surface level. He's digging deep. He's getting in the trenches. He's wondering what is wrestling on your spirit so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. Church, do some wrestling. Ask those deeper questions. Walk intentionally with others and allow them to intentionally walk with you. Which brings us to our spiritual practice for this week, right? Uh, while there, there are those that, that can step into those unique spaces that do have that special place in our lives, there are also those who step into grief by simply serving in a practical way. And I want to tell you, church, both are needed, okay? Not just those who are answering a specific, but just sometimes those who just respond and, and they're able to be present with you. And so what I want to invite you to do is I want you to read 2 Samuel verse 16 through 1 through 4. And this, it comes exactly after our text for today. And look at both responses here. Look at both benefits. And then I want you to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, and ask yourself the question, what are these texts calling me to do? Uh, when it comes to, to loss and grief, how can I best walk with others and empower them to walk well with me? That's a question I want you to wrestle with this week. And then step into those places of care and service and intentional meeting, meeting people where they are. See, what would it mean to be a calming presence in somebody else's storm, right? I mean, what would it mean to, to simply provide a presence, someone to call on, right, in their time of need when they have nowhere else to go and they need to pick up that phone, they need to give somebody a call? What, what would it mean to be a strength in somebody else's weakness, to draw someone up when they are low? What would it mean to pull others out from the trenches and allow them to do the same for you? Ushers.